Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome back to Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Kiara. I'm Megan. And I'm Kirsten. And in the last episode, we talked about how we can create safer spaces online for others and for ourselves. And this is part two of that episode. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that episode so you have more context and you know what we're talking about. Um, And if you listened to last episode, we started with a few questions to get us thinking about like what we're talking about, because we're going to continue that conversation about what we can do to create safer spaces for everybody online. Um, So Kirsten... I believe you have some questions. I do. Thank you. Has someone ever shared their partner's private picture with you personally or you witnessed it happen in a group setting? Um, Have you ever seen someone negatively comment on someone else's body online? And um, when you saw these things, did you feel like you didn't really want to get involved or you didn't know what to say? Um, or did you blame the person for posting or sharing a picture of their body in the first place? Hmm. I made a face when yeah. you read the last one. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. <laughs> And I know that's what we're talking about and the ways that we can change doing that, but it doesn't feel great. I mean, that's, no. I guess, why we're talking about it. It doesn't feel yeah. good to know that there are people who are blaming other people for what's happening to them online. Yeah, it's really hurtful. Yeah, especially if you don't know, um, you know, that your picture is even being shared. Like you asked in the first question, has anyone ever, you know, shared a picture? I'm assuming this is like a private picture that someone's partner sent them and now their partner is sharing with other people without their knowledge. Um, I haven't Mm -hmm. personally seen this, but I have been in schools where that's something that has happened and we've discussed it as, you know, as something that students experience and pictures sometimes in some of the situations it's the picture was taken without even the person knowing in the first place so it was we're talking like someone took Mm. a picture of them from behind they didn't even know the picture was taken and then now the picture is also being shared with other people um but then there's also of course the case where it's like you send the you send the photo to someone you trust and then they you know break your trust so i have heard of those happening in the schools that we've gone into for sure yeah and i've i've heard of Current partners, ex-partners, doesn't matter which, who will use a photo like that. Um, And either, I mean, regardless of the intention, sharing a photo, a private picture like that with your buddies or with Mm -hmm. even just a friend without um, your partner's knowledge is not, that's not okay. That that you don't, they need, you need to have consent. (laughs) And then I also know that that can also be the case when people are breaking up and it's used as leverage or it can be used in abusive situations as well to control somebody that, you know, I have, I have this picture of you. I may be, I may show it to somebody. So yeah, there's, I feel like there's a lot of different ways that things like that can come up. Which I, granted, I know that with the the podcast, we talk about like current events and it's not super current. I feel like it's current in the way that the Kardashian family just 
finished being involved in a lawsuit with Black China, who has a, I think she's a model, who had a child with the youngest, I guess like the son, Robert Kardashian. And but there I remember that there was a whole issue where if anybody watched the reality TV show, um, they would argue a lot and people saw her as being abusive. And something that Rob Kardashian did in retaliation to her was put picked like shared naked, like can mm. privately shared naked pictures of her online. Mm. Um and I don't even remember the context for it, so I'm not gonna speak too much on it. But Part of me wonders if, like, he did it as a way of, like, almost feeling like she's deserves to have that happen to her. Maybe some people also felt like they she deserved to have it happen to her because the type of modeling she does is, like, lingerie modeling and, like, other modeling that people would be considered to be, like, sexy or sexual. Mm-hmm. So they probably didn't even think it was that big a deal that it happened to her because they were like, well, we've already seen parts of your body and you're abusive mm-hmm. to him. But it doesn't make it okay that he did it. Yeah. And there's something to be said, too, about I, you know, somebody choosing to share a picture of themselves versus somebody else sharing a picture of them. Those are two totally different things. Okay, we would like to take just a brief pause from our episode to share a disclaimer. We talk about in this episode sharing intimate photos, nude photos of someone without their consent sharing that via text messages or online. We want to make it known that sharing nude photos of someone without their consent is a form of abuse and it is illegal. In many states, it is a felony to distribute sexually explicit images of a person without their consent. Specifically in Texas, as of 2016, it is considered a misdemeanor and is punishable by up to a year in jail and a $4,000 fine, plus damages and court costs for the victim. When an image contains a minor, the ramifications are even more severe. Taking a picture of, being in possession of, or even just seeing, so just even looking at a nude photo of a minor can lead to a conviction of child pornography even if it's a quote-unquote selfie. It is considered a Class C misdemeanor, leading to a Class A misdemeanor for repeat offenders. When these images change hands between an adult and a minor, even if uh, one person is 17 years old and the other person is 18 years old, the consequences can be felony charges of child pornography and having to register as a sex offender for life. We want to acknowledge as well that sending unsolicited nude images of yourself without the other person's consent, so that sharing nude photos of yourself with another person is considered another form of sexual harassment and is illegal in the state of Texas. As of 2019, sending sexually explicit images became a class C misdemeanor with a maximum $500 fine if the recipient has not provided consent. This law applies to text messages, dating apps, and social media platforms. This has become a very common issue and it is considered a crime in Texas. Online abuse is a common crime that affects all ages and demographics. Before you post or hit the send button, Think about the long-term consequences your actions will have on the person that you are victimizing, as well as the legal ramifications for yourself. Okay, back to our episode. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. It actually it makes me think of one time when we were when I was uh in a middle school class uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about that, like how, um, you know, like a partner potentially sharing a photo of, with other people. And I, I remember it cause it was upsetting, I guess, to me a little bit. Uh, cause I had a seventh grade, seventh grader say, um, well, she shouldn't have sent the photo there. They shouldn't have sent the photo then. Um, and it was a young girl and I, you know, we had, you know, right there in that moment, we, you know, we talked kind of, started the conversation about victim blaming and like how, you know, like no one chooses, you know, like just because you trusted someone in the moment to, and you sent them this photo doesn't mean you deserve to have your trust violated and turned around against you. So yeah, we were able to, <laughs> we were able to like talk about that. And it's so true. Like the victim blaming, like even like, made me think about, you know, your story with uh, black China is because people will think that like, will you put yourself out there so you deserve what you get? And it's like, why do we do this? And like, why, like, the fact that we're still seeing victim blaming today. I mean, it's everywhere. And, and I actually should say, like, what victim blaming, I guess, is. Um, hmm. But basically, victim blaming is when, you know, something might happen, especially in situations of sexual assault is where we see it a lot, or even domestic violence, we see it a lot, um, where it's someone is either saying or implying or treating another person that the that, that have experienced something harmful, so that maybe they've experienced violence against them. And uh, treating them as if a behavior they did could have, uh, they could have prevented it from happening to them, or even worse, implying that like they caused it to happen to them, or like that they, mm -hmm. you know, allowed it to happen to them. Um, so when we say victim blaming, like I just wanted to throw out that definition that that's what we're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, why do we think people victim blame? I think people do it because it makes them feel safe. I think that people, it's it's. Yeah. If you can look at uh, things that happen to people and say, oh, well, like it was late. If you I mean, it's, it's all those things that we tell ourselves to, like, don't walk a home at night, you know, like stay in a group. And so, like, those are the first things people will ask because we're trying to act like that those things will keep us safe. It's and they are. I mean, to a certain degree, you know, risk reduction has its place. Right. Like, I'm not saying yeah. just go be dangerous. Like, I mean, risk reduction has its value. But when we start at you know when we start using those as reasons to blame people what are we're not fixing society because the real question is like who is causing the harm like that's who we need to look at like what makes this person think that they can have sex with someone who doesn't want to have sex with them what does this person think that they can lay a hand on somebody you know that when they can't control them or you know that's those yeah. are the questions we should be asking not what was she wearing or like why were they out late at night yeah, because that doesn't keep us safe. But when we start no. looking to the people who are causing the these crimes and the people who are causing the harm, if we start looking at them and pointing the finger at them, like maybe then we can create a safer world. Yeah. Get to the root of the issue by focusing on the person responsible who actually inflicted the harm versus the person who is the one receiving the harm. Exactly. Unless I mean, and how hard is it? It only causes it. It only makes it harder for people to get help when because we have a victim blaming mentality. Like, yeah, I've seen this like so many times with like people who've talked to me about like their own experiences too. It's like it, you internalize that and you question your own like thing. Like, I should have done this or I should have done this, and it's like maybe they shouldn't have done what they did. You know, like maybe we need to start thinking about that instead of blaming people because that's what's keeping people from getting the help they need because they end up blaming themselves or society blames them. I just yeah. had to go on a little tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, I feel like it's very important. I was trying to think of like other ways that I've seen this come up in the media. And it's 
not to bring up the Kardashians again. They're constantly in the media. Uh, so you, can't really not you can't avoid it. You can't talk about it. them. Yeah. But we, when we were planning for this episode and granted there's been many things that have happened with the Kardashians since then that are probably an even hotter topic but we were talking about a lot of like victim blaming that people had or at least yeah I would say because we're talking about victim blaming when it came to Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and the way that Kanye West was treating her online and harassing her Mm -hmm. for having the audacity to not want to be in a relationship with him anymore and then go and find another person and be in a relationship with that other person. So not only is he harassing her online, but he's harassing Pete Davidson online and that Mm -hmm. there are so many people who sort of, I don't know, I didn't see it a lot, but I know that people were talking about it happening where they were blaming Kim Kardashian for this all happening to her or they didn't they weren't sympathetic about the fact that she's experiencing harassment and abuse online I think that well she's a public personality they're both public personalities so what do you expect is going to happen if you're both in the public eye but you can be in the public eye and not expect that your husband that you're separated from is gonna harass you and the person that you're dating on the internet I feel like that's a it's not a wild conclusion to come to, to be like, hey, I don't deserve this. Yeah. I think it's really common, too, for people, you know, talking about victim blaming and the ways that we people so quickly do that. I think, you know, there's so many phrases people use, like, to blame the victim and say, like, you know, if you don't like it, then get off the internet or they were asking for it. Don't be so sensitive. And as you already said, Megan, too, like, if you don't, if you don't send certain types of pictures to people, then people won't be able to share it or, mm-hmm. you know, telling people if you obviously wanted attention because you were dressed a certain way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's happening. And it's so, I mean, yeah, like you said, like we don't want to necessarily talk about the Kardashians all day, but it's a really good point in the fact that like we're seeing this on this very large scale, right? And like you, it doesn't matter how much money a person has, like they can still experience harassment and, mm-hmm. um, victim blaming too because i mean there are a lot of people who would say things like well like what do you expect when you are get with this because like you deserve it because you made a choice or like this you know a b or c choice like you somehow deserve this treatment where it's like no one signs up to be abused no one signs up for their partner to suddenly like no no longer have their back and to start harassing them like you think that you have free will and that when you decide you're going to end a relationship that you have the right to end the relationship like no one so it's it's very telling and and disheartening when people kind of like well what did you expect it's like i expected to you know have autonomy and when i said the relationship was over i expected the person to be like okay like you know that's what we should all expect uh no one should be forced to do anything it goes to show that this can happen to anybody Mm -hmm. that as Somebody who has a heavy influence on the internet is the way that Kim Kardashian does. And, like, I've seen episodes of their TV show where some paparazzi took a picture of Kim that she didn't like. And she had the influence and the money to be able to try to remove as many Mm -hmm. copies of that picture off the internet as she could. So somebody who has that much power and influence and privilege can still experience these types of things. It doesn't matter who you are. That um, No matter who you are. 
And no matter how much influence or power or privilege that you have, it doesn't make it okay that it happens to you. I think some people sort of think that because you have it good in some areas of life that you should just accept abusive things happening to you because you have other things to make it okay for you. And that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. And getting swept in that can be really dangerous too. Like I know people sometimes because it's celebrity, it can feel very like undetached from reality and people can like kind of get swept up in it as if it's a reality show unto itself, even though like this is someone's real relationship. So, but it's something to keep in mind. Like if you are someone who is getting swept up in this thing and you're, you know, making comments on, you know, social media and you're saying things like, well, that's what you get when you marry Kanye or like, this is what you get. Or like, that's what Johnny Depp gets or whoever is in the headline right now. And whosoever relationship you're deciding to weigh in on everyone who's (laughs) not famous, who your actual friends with, who's like in your actual circles sees that. And you don't, and whether or not they've experienced that themselves or are currently experiencing themselves and whether you intend to, you are sending them a message that 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 is your stance, like that your stance is basically like, I'm going to blame you and I'm not a safe person for you to confess that to me. That's such a good point. Yeah. So with all of that being said, (laughs) what can we do about it? Because it's so easy to like get on here and talk about like the things that we see that are frustrating or upsetting or just Mm -hmm. all around generally just messed up. Um, And one of the things that we talk about is... um, being an active bystander online is one of the things that you can do to support other people. Maybe you've heard people talk about bystander intervention or the mm-hmm. bystander effect or bystander approaches, uh, being an upstander. I've heard people say mm-hmm. when they're talking to like young people, uh, we talk about being uh, an active bystander, somebody who actively gets involved. Um, and to generally give a definition when we're talking about bystander intervention. We're talking about interrupting or intervening when you witness something harmful or potentially harmful that's happening. Um, And we know that that's not always easier said than done, that there are some reasons that people do get involved and some reasons that people don't get involved, Um, starting with reasons why people don't get involved. Maybe they think it's not a big deal um, or maybe they think, well, it's not my job and it's not my responsibility. Um, Maybe somebody else is going to do something about it. Um, Maybe they don't want to make things worse, which I think is a pretty valid fear that some people Mm -hmm. think, well, if I intervene in some way, maybe this is going to make it worse for some people. And the reality is for some people, it does get worse um, Mm -hmm. if you do intervene. So I think, too, like sometimes people will say like, oh, that's just who they are. That's just their Mm -hmm. personality. That's Mm -hmm. just how they talk. He's just joking. Like people will make excuses or justifications also for not not getting involved in saying something to maybe mm-hmm. their buddy or their friend who is causing the harm or saying something harmful. Good I feel like that's a really good point that some people think that there's nothing they can do. That yeah. this is just who that person is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. I want to do something, but I have no clue what to do. Um, or they don't feel safe to do it, which is also pretty valid. Like mm-hmm. I'm afraid for my safety. I'm afraid that I'm going to make things worse for somebody else. So if they, um, witness something violent happening in public and they're afraid that then that violence will then turn on them and that's a really valid concern to have Mm -hmm. um or they think that it's none of their business there's so many uh things Mm -hmm. or people especially like when it comes to like relationship violence Mm -hmm. sometimes people think like that's a family matter that's a private matter there's i shouldn't get involved um Mm -hmm. that's their thing to try to figure out 
Um, or they believe in the rights of the individual. They think that, well, this person deserves to be able to um, stand up for themselves or it's not empowering if I get involved and I intervene. Um, maybe that person looks like they've got it. So I'm just going to trust that they can do what's best for them and I'm not even going to get involved at all. Um, yeah, so I feel like very valid reasons for why people don't get involved. But then there are reasons why people do get involved. Um, motivations, that different motivations that people have. Maybe it's because the person who's being targeted is somebody that they know and they care about. It's easier to get involved when, like, mm -hmm. it's your friend who's being harassed or it's your family member that's being harassed or your coworker that's being harassed or harmed in some way. Um, you have a personal stake now on what's being, what's happening. So you yeah. want to get involved. Um, or you remembered a time where somebody helped you. Uh, I was in a situation yeah. and I was scared and I didn't mm -hmm. know what to do. And then this person came up. I've seen so many things online where somebody was like, I was at a bar and this person was harassing me and I, somebody else came up and they were like, Hey, like our mom called or I haven't seen you in so long. Uh, let's catch up some way to try to like intervene in, in that way to give that person an out great bystander. Mm -hmm. uh, intervention approach to create some sort of distraction or disruption but yeah. then they say this is i had never had somebody do this before i never quite thought about this as an option and now i'm going to pay it forward and do this for other mm. people if i see it happening to them in public uh, or it's kind of in the same they would want somebody to do that for them i'd want somebody to pretend mm -hmm. that they know me i'd want somebody to say something if i look panicked or freaked out or i'm in some, on social media and somebody's commenting something, I'd want somebody to say something. Yeah. Um, or they just want to make sure that nobody gets hurt. They feel like a personal responsibility to step in. Or you have the kind of people, which are some of my favorite kind of people who are like, I just, I didn't think about it. I just stepped in because it's just who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So many different reasons why people do get involved and they don't get involved. Um, but we want people to feel more empowered to be able to get involved because it's really valid that sometimes you just don't know what to do. You don't know what your options are. When you were talking, it, it made me think of Chanel Miller's story. And I and this is like off topic, but um, we actually have a book review of her of her book on our on our stopthehurt.org website. But she talks about the people who the two men who were on their bikes and they uh, basically they intervened like right as uh, she was about to get sexually assaulted by Brock Turner. Um, and I, it made me think about that, like how they just they saw it happening and they just reacted. And sorry, I just like had that like visual of like when I read that story and yeah, like, saw, yeah. their, saw her talk about it and everything. And like, yeah, it's so it, it, sometimes it, you just don't react. But thank God that they did, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like another reason that I just thought of that I probably in that situation, like, how would I react? I'd probably be in shock and almost like my brain would be like that. What I think is happening can't be what's happening. Right. I think that happens. Like sometimes you don't even realize what you're looking at because you don't expect to see that, you know? Yeah. It feels so blatant that it's almost like that can't actually be what's happening. Right. One time I was at a bar and I, a, a young woman came up to me and um, she was like, hey, can we just pretend that we're friends and like you're giving me a ride home and you can just like walk me to my car. There's this guy over here that won't leave me alone. Oh, and wow. I, of course, I was like, absolutely. And I, I like puffed up my chest and I was like, let's go. And I got all, you know, because I'm like, of course, like, <laughs> let's do this, you know. And I walked to her car. So it just made me think like I didn't even see it happen. Like and I completely missed right. the reaction. But she still, I guess, saw me as someone like, 
you know, as a safe face, I guess, or like a trustworthy looking person and came up to me and I was all about it. I was, I'm ready to be about I'm ready to <laughs> walk you to your car yeah. anytime. <laughs> Do what I can. I was in Walmart. This was like many, many years ago. And I heard an interaction happening on the other side of the aisle mm-hmm. um, where it sounded like a man was being verbally abusive to a woman. And she's like sort of adding like responding back to him but he's just like really berating her and I'm like standing there trying to figure out like what can I do do I like go in the aisle and because we work where we work and I had service cards on me I'm like do I drop one in the aisle to see maybe if she'll see it um and I ended up it was a situation where I didn't know what to do and I ended up not doing anything because I was afraid that it would make things worse for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, what if he sees me intervening in some way and mm-hmm. it makes it worse for her? Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't feel great. Like I recognize it for, I'm sure I'm not alone in that feeling of like, sometimes you want to do something and it feels like I don't know what to do or I don't feel like I can do anything. That's what makes it so hard is like not knowing how to say something or not knowing. And then, and then of course, safety is a big deal, especially in that situation. Yes, like not knowing. Sure. Like, but online is different. Like what can we do when we see yeah, these online? I was just about you know? to say. Like that feels a little bit safer, right? Like <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we were talking about victim blaming and we gave so many of those examples of mm-hmm. like things that people say of like, well, don't post pictures online if you don't want people to comment on it or what did you expect to happen even just starting there and recognizing that if we say something or have a thought or an idea that could be victim blaming Mm -hmm. and we say it out loud just recognizing that victim blaming language is harmful and take the step to try to change that so if you see that on like you see somebody being harmed online or being harassed online and your first thought was like well what did you think was going to happen Don't post that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Feels pretty simple. Yeah. Easier said than done for some people. Maybe don't post your instincts. Yes. While you're still working on those instincts. (laughs) Yes. Take a moment and don't. Or if you see somebody else saying something like that, get on there and be like, hey, that's not cool. Um, Or it's not their fault. Just something that sort of takes the power away from the comment that was posted because sometimes you walk you already see somebody posting victim blaming language Um, yeah and to to your point as well like I think it does take a lot of self-awareness to unlearn um you know if we 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 live in a culture where it is very common to victim blame and as we already said so it takes a lot of self-awareness to be aware that that's oh this is the thought that I'm having and mm-hmm. I should not post this. And how do I unlearn that and relearn something better and shift that mindset? I think it, yeah, it does take a lot of, a lot of self-awareness to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which something that I thought of that we had talked about that's maybe not relevant to it being online, but still, still very relevant to the work that we do and the types of violence that we're trying to prevent from happening in our communities. Victim blaming language also sounds like, well, what was, what were you wearing? Yeah. Or why did why did you go there if you thought mm-hmm. that that's what if you knew that that could happen? Why were you drinking? Um, why are you out why, so late at night? Yeah. Why are you yeah. out so late at night? Why would you leave your drink unattended? Yeah. Any mm-hmm. question that could even be genuine curiosity for you, 
even if you don't intend for it to be victim blaming, can still come off as victim blaming because you're questioning, well, what did you do that contributed to this happening to you? Mm-hmm. And that can have more lasting impacts than people think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It can be really harmful. Taking it back online, if you see harassment or something harmful happening online and you don't feel safe to get involved um, or you're not sure what to do, another thing that you can do is document the harassment. Yeah. So take a screenshot if you see it because we know that as easy as things can get posted on the internet, things can be deleted off the internet. In some ways the internet is forever, in some ways it's not forever. But if you screenshot it or you screen record it, take a video of it, then you have evidence that something happened to you or it could have happened to somebody else. And if you do screenshot it or take a video recording of it and it happened to somebody else, consent applies in this situation too. Message that person um, and say, or ask them, what do you want me to do with this? I can send this to you. Would you like me to keep a copy of this? Ask them what they want to do with that video or screenshot or content now that it exists, because it can be also be more harmful if you just decide what you want to do with it, because then you're not you're taking the choice away from the person who's being harmed. And empowerment looks like giving people who have been harmed more choices, not mm-hmm. taking choices away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and a, while you're messaging them, if you didn't document it, something else that you can do is just check in with a person who's being harassed. Let them know. I think we mentioned this in part one of this episode is just let them know that what happened to them isn't okay, that you don't believe that it's okay and show some support. So if it feels kind of scary or vulnerable to do it out in a public space, Mm -hmm. do it in a private space too. That can also make a big difference just to let people know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to that point as well, I mean, be curious what people are experiencing. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's so often the case that You know, when somebody says that they've been harmed or been hurt, it's easy to mock or dismiss someone's experience or their story because you may not understand what they're going through or what they're saying. Um, And it's, you know, it's hard to admit um, when you don't understand something or when you don't fully comprehend what someone else is going through or um, what they're saying. So it's, but it's really important to be able to admit that, you know, I, I don't necessarily understand like where you're coming from um, or what you're talking about necessarily, but it's so important to be curious and ask questions um, instead of, you know, dismissing or, or blaming that person or mocking them in some way. Um, be curious about their experience first and foremost versus, Um, you know, some of these other things that we've already talked about. Be curious and ask questions. Um, It can really help um, people be more comfortable with coming forward or saying something when something happens to them. And it also builds bridges and builds empathy as well. Mm -hmm. Something that I wanted to add before, because first, I love that you said that, because I feel like people kind of forget like the empathy part of being online. Mm -hmm. Um, But something that I wanted to add for people who are like, I want to do more to help people and online or off, and I'm not really sure what to do about it. Uh, Righttobe.org is a really great resource. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's a place where you can go just to learn about more ways that you can intervene when you see something harmful happening because you don't know better. And I mean, you don't always know what to do until you learn different ways to do it. So if you don't feel safe intervening, because sometimes we talk about intervening and we think that it always looks like directly getting involved and directly 
um, interrupting what's happening, but this website can give you more options to do that. So I just wanted to add that uh, before we move into the next point, um, because I feel like it's another tool in addition to what you're currently talking about, which is so important. Yeah, I love tools. That's great. Um, So yeah, to the point of empathy, empathy is huge. And I want to share a quote from Brene Brown. Um, In order to empathize with someone's experience, you must be willing to believe them as they see it and not how you imagine their experience to be. Um, She also says that no empathetic statement ever starts with at least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone shares something with you. Well, at least this other terrible thing didn't happen or at least, you know, at least this other part of your life is okay, or at least it wasn't worse. So that's that's not an empathetic thing to say at all. Um, it can be really dismissive of someone's experience and how they're feeling. Um, or even telling them it was a good thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, but like like I know sometimes like it's like, oh, you're like, um, you know, like how wonderful that like, you know, you're like a powerful person that this happened to you. And like almost like it's a good thing that it happened. I don't think anyone wants these things to happen. Yeah. To them. And like even yeah. those people do can people can, you know, thrive and build incredible strength from like you know experiences they've had and but it's doesn't mean that it's a good thing that that it happened to them yeah or like that that phrase like it happened for a reason yes that's what I was like that's the specific phrase I was like thinking in my head yes yeah yeah and uh, you know we don't have to be perfect when we're having these conversations with people when we're being biased or when we're helping or wanting Mm -hmm. to intervene or do something um I think that sometimes we'll hesitate because we're concerned that we won't do it perfectly or we won't do it right or we don't know how to. So mm-hmm. um, we all make mistakes and it's important to be able to just recognize and admit maybe that we, you know, maybe that wasn't the best way to handle it. And next time I plan to do it better. Um, but I know sometimes yeah. people will it'll prevent them from doing something in the future because they feel like they didn't do it right this time. So mm-hmm. yeah, being, being able to just, you know, say you're right, that wasn't the best way to handle it and moving forward from there and, and helping next time too is, is really important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think there's, I can think of times in the past where I did say things like, um, I mean, everything happens for a reason in response to somebody being hurt and, mm-hmm. That that did say a lot about where I was as well, that I wasn't able to empathize. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. important to to be able to acknowledge that and choose to do it differently next time and sit with that person when they're struggling or in pain or experiencing something hard and listen to what they have to say. Be curious about it. And remember, even when you're online, um, it's it's so important to remember that humans are on the other side of that screen. Um, you're talking to another person, you're commenting on another human's body that has feelings and is going to be affected by the things that you say. So just so important to be aware of. And just because the you the internet is a place where you can leave comments doesn't mean that this person is leaving their comment section open for all of your thoughts and feelings just because you can say it doesn't mean mean you should should. and it doesn't mean it's going to be welcomed exactly Um, you can't feel entitled just because you have good intention to say something that somebody is going to receive it that way yeah I heard something remember where I heard it but it was um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion but you're not entitled to share it yeah Well, on that note, I'm going to share our episode's prevention and action tip. 
Our prevention and action tip for this episode is to help create safer online spaces. Start by speaking out when you see harmful comments online. Unchallenged public comments can normalize violence. Saying something does make a difference. Educate yourself and others on how the language we use and actions we take do matter. You can also support victims of online harassment by checking in with them and offering support. Lastly, if you see violent content online, report it or try to have it flagged or removed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And in the meantime, speak up, speak out, and be outspoken.